This is Morning Air. This is about educating a people that for 40 years haven't been given the full truth. It's time now to speak the truth. When you do things to the best of your ability, keeping Jesus number one and doing everything you possibly can for His glory, that's a winner. You are called to make the light of Christ shine brightly in the world. Bringing the light of Christ to start your day. This is Morning Air with John Morales on Relevant Radio. Five minutes after the hour, it's first Friday, December 3rd. Good morning and welcome back to Morning Air on the Memorial of St. Francis Xavier. I'm John Morales along with Glenn Leverance. Thanks so much for joining us coast to coast across America here on the Relevant Radio Network and the Relevant Radio app. On Fridays, I always remind you that we need to remember the passion and death of our Lord Jesus Christ. Friday is also the traditional day dedicated to the sacred heart of Jesus. I want to just share something that happened the other day. It was such a joy for me when the Adoration Chapel at St. Paul of the Cross Parish here in Park Ridge, Illinois, right across the street from our relevant radio Chicago studios, finally opened up again. There was a Eucharistic procession with the Blessed Sacrament right after Mass, and most of the faithful were on hand. Again, I want to encourage you, if you can, spend a few minutes in front of the Blessed Sacrament today, meditating on the passion of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is such a gift that we can spend time in prayer in front of our Lord. I want to bring in Glenn Leverance, my partner. Glenn, what are some of the stories that you're following this morning? Well, John, like we were talking uh, with uh, Dr. Paul Carson in the last half hour about the uh, Omicron variant of COVID spreading around the world and uh, in five states across the U.S. right now. Minnesota, one of them, uh, it turns out the, this particular uh, guy was at the NMA NYC 2021 convention in New York City, and that happened November 19th to the 21st. Uh, he attended that with some 50,000 people. Now, he's recovered already. He uh, got the uh, the variant. He has recovered, uh, had mild symptoms, and he was uh, vaccinated, had uh, both shots plus the booster, and it was a breakthrough case with him. So as we talked with Dr. Carson, this has the potential to spread rapidly, but we don't know yet how severe that it may be. We uh, can be concerned, but we need not be afraid. No, no sense uh, in, in being petrified at this time until we find out much more uh, exactly about what Omicron is all about. Uh, on another note, uh, we're continuing to pray for Pope Francis. The Holy Father uh, is in the midst of a trip to Cyprus and Greece. He met with Orthodox bishops in Cyprus uh, today, expressing that desire that the Catholic Church and the Orthodox Church will continue the journey towards full unity. Uh, this is something that really touches my heart, Glenn. Uh, it would be a beautiful thing, unity. Uh, the, the Lord would love to see that in the church. And some of the, the neat words that Pope Francis had to say, the, the grace of being here, as he's speaking there, reminds me that we have a common apostolic origin. Paul traversed Cyprus and went on to Rome. And for the Holy Father to be speaking, you know, in a spot where, where Paul was spreading the good news so many years ago, uh, you know, if we can just look look a little harder and pray a little harder to see if we could all get together. Absolutely. Uh, this is something that's been going on in in the last 50 years between uh, the, the Catholic Church and the Orthodox, uh, coming together more than ever before. After all, we've been separated since the year 1054. I think it's time for, uh, as uh, St. John Paul II used to refer to, the left and right lung of the body of Christ to come 
come together once again. So we continue to pray for that full unity, that full communion that our Lord Jesus uh, prayed at the Last Supper in John 17, uh, that we may all be one as he and the Father are one. So it's, it's, a, big, uh, it's a big moment, and uh, we're with the Holy Father, and uh, continue to pray. Boy, that deep, full breath of both lungs of the church would feel so good, huh, John? Absolutely, absolutely. I, I dream maybe in our lifetime, Glenn, that we will see that day. Wouldn't that be something? As always, thanks so much, Glenn. Hey, sure thing. Talk to you soon. And we continue to pray as we do every single day and at the beginning of every hour, always giving thanks to our Lord for the many, many blessings that we receive every day and always asking through the intercession of the Mother of God, our Blessed Mother Mary. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Our Lady of Guadalupe, patroness of the Americas, patroness of life and of relevant radio, pray for us. St. Joseph, in this year of St. Joseph, pray for us. St. John Paul II, co-patron of relevant radio, pray for us. And we always, always invoke the Holy Spirit when we pray, come Holy Spirit, come. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. As we do every morning, our power scripture from the playbook of life is from Matthew 7, 24. Jesus the Lord says, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house upon the rock. Our Lord Jesus Christ, being a carpenter, spoke in terms of construction, saying that life is like building a house. Our lives must be founded on Christ, the rock foundation, or they will collapse under the stress of life storms and everyday life. We base our lives on Christ by listening to and then obeying his words, putting them into practice. This Advent uh, is also like building a house, a Christmas house. Christmas will come in 22 days, hard to believe. We can build our house by forgiving, by going to confession here during Advent, by praying, by fasting, by evangelizing, by serving in obedience to our Lord. We will see the Lord God, the carpenter and the child Jesus, the baby of Bethlehem, form Christmas in our hearts and then in all the rest of the world. And we always pray with great confidence, Jesus, I trust in you. Our number, if you want to be part of the program, 888-914-9149. On Wednesday, the U.S. Supreme Court heard oral arguments for nearly two hours in the case Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health Organization, a legal challenge to Mississippi's law that bans abortion after 15 weeks of pregnancy. We've been talking about it, discussing this historic Dobbs Dobbs case uh, since Wednesday, uh, hearing from uh, many different pro-life leaders and uh, getting a lot of reaction from the other side as well. Many legal scholars on both sides of this abortion issue agree that this could be the case that finally overturns Roe v. Wade after nearly 50 years. Listen to part of the arguments uh, from Mississippi Solicitor General Scott Stewart and Julie Rinkelman, the attorney representing Jackson Women's Health Organization. The Constitution places its trust in the people. On hard issue after hard issue, the people make this country work. Abortion is a hard issue. Eliminating or reducing the right to abortion will propel women backwards. 
Two generations have now relied on this right, and one out of every four women makes the decision to end a pregnancy. Joining us now for much more on what went on at the Supreme Court in the Dobbs case is our regular contributor, Mary Helen Fiorito. Mary is an attorney, public speaker, and commentator on issues involving Catholic Church teachings, administration, and religious freedom. She holds uh, the position of Cardinal Francis George Fellow at both the Ethics and Public Policy Center and the DeNicola Center for Ethics and Culture at the University of Notre Dame. Good morning, Mary. Thanks so much for joining us. Happy Advent. It's great to be with you this morning. Yeah, great. Thank you, John. What a, what a, this is a wonderful day. I'm so excited to be on. Normally when I come on to talk about abortion cases, it's not good news, but today that is not the case. It is We have a lot of good news to talk about. Absolutely. We've been talking about it for the last two days. We've had uh, 48 hours to really uh, think about it. Uh, let's, uh, let's go back to uh, the events and the rallies that went across the country, not just in Washington, D.C., as we heard from several pro-life leaders in D.C., but also in other parts of the country, including Chicago. Uh, you were part of the rally in Chicago. What was that like? Oh, it was wonderful. We really... Um, had a, had just a terrific group of people speaking. We were in Federal Plaza. It was organized by the Pro-Life Action League and just had speaker after speaker who, you know, uh, shared their, their perspectives after hearing the oral arguments, so pleased that they went so well. Um, I spoke specifically about an amicus brief, which is a friend of the court brief, that I actually signed. I'm, I'm part of a group of 240 professional women, either with uh, conferred JD, which is Juris Doctor, a lawyer, uh, degrees or PhD degrees. And the point of our brief was that women do not need abortion. We don't rely on abortion in order to succeed either professionally or academically. And if uh, any of your listeners listened to any part of those oral arguments, you can see that the lawyer for the abortion clinic and the lawyer for the Biden administration really argued that women have come to rely and depend upon abortion in order to, you know, to be successful in anything, their careers, academically, as, as parents. And our brief really undercuts that argument because it's simply not true. Women had already begun to advance um, in, in all sorts of different areas, secularly, prior to abortion becoming legal. And the vast majority of women don't need abortion. We don't need to kill our own unborn children in order to be successful. Well, Mary, uh, as a Catholic attorney, I would love for you to kind of break down for us uh, the Supreme Court uh, oral arguments uh, in Dobbs that we heard the other day. What do you think were the, some of the main key points uh, from both sides? Right. Okay. Well, it's you know as you as you noted at the outset, this went on for two hours, so about an hour longer than it had been scheduled to go, which I thought was very interesting. Um, first off, I thought you know the Solicitor General from Mississippi. I felt quite sorry for him because pretty much right out of the gate, Justice Sonia Sotomayor, who I'm sad to say is the one Hispanic Catholic on the court, um, really began badgering him. And I don't use that term lightly. You know, when we are trained as attorneys, one of the things that we are taught is decorum and manners and respect when you are arguing before the court. So, um, Especially a Supreme Court justice. Absolutely. And so you would... You, you probably noted that the Solicitor General from Mississippi at one point referred to opposing counsel as his friends. You know, you really do try to keep a very professional, non-emotional demeanor when you are before the court, and it's supposed to kind of go both ways, right? And Sonia Sotomayor was just, 
She sounded very angry. She was, um, as one, you know, commentator on Twitter noted, you know, she seems like she's writing her dissent while she's talking. And I think that is likely the case. Unfortunately, what she did, um, and she didn't really ask questions. She was sort of just, it was almost like she was reading a Planned Parenthood press release. Pontificating. Oh, my goodness, but she cut into a lot of his time. So some people were asking me, you know, why did he say so little? I'm like, well, his, her, his time got eaten up by her. And I think that was, frankly, done intentionally. I don't think she wanted to allow him to get in the arguments before the American people um, that, that he was going to get in. So, you know, that being said, um, I think the, the two attorneys for the other side, the attorney for the abortion clinic, and then the attorney for the Biden administration, and that's, that is something to note, that's noteworthy, the Biden, Biden administration sent its solicitor general to argue on behalf of the abortion clinics here. So th- they are not neutral in terms of letting the American people decide the kind of abortion law we want in this country. They were quite poised and articulate, but the questions that the other justices put to them, particularly Chief Justice John Roberts, when he really pressed one of them on the point that, you know, the United States is one of only seven countries in the world that allows elective abortions uh, up until the moment of birth, essentially. Um, we're, We're one of only seven nations, including China and North Korea. I mean, we're in a terrible group of other countries that, you know, engage in human rights violations and abuses. So he pointed that out. She jumped in and contradicted him and said that wasn't true, but it is absolutely true. Um, it's been verified from everything from the Washington Post has this wonderful page where they do fact-checking. They call it their Pinocchio check. And it and that fact received the elusive Pinocchio check mark um, that it was it is indeed true. So um, uh, that was good for that to kind of get out before the American people. Uh, as well, they, they talked a lot about these reliance interests, uh, uh, Justice Amy Coney Barrett, spent quite a bit of time mentioning what are called safe haven laws. So in every state in the country now, if you have a baby, uh, you within 30 days, you can bring a newborn to any police station, fire station, hospital, um, emergency rooms. Um, some states have expanded it to include security offices at college campuses and just leave the baby there, no questions asked, and just walk away. And so that you can, in, in all, for all intents and purposes, sever your parental rights immediately. And parental rights are immediately cut because of these, these safe haven laws. So she was saying, because Justice Blackman in the Roe decision grounded that decision in what he called freeing women from the burdens of parenthood. He wasn't talking about pregnancy. He talked about parenthood. And so Justice Barrett really honed in on that and said, but if every state in this country has a safe haven law, they can relinquish their parenthood within within hours of giving birth, with no questions asked, no ramifications legally in any way, shape, or form. So that was very interesting. And the other side tried to really do some fear-mongering, saying that pregnancy is 75% more dangerous than giving birth or some ridiculous, ridiculous false statistic that they could provide no backup for and no evidence. Um, I was a little disappointed in how many times they were permitted to do that, to make false statements and not back it up with evidence. But be that as it may, Amy Coney Barrett really got those points in quite articulately and forcefully. So essentially she was saying this right that Roe was grounded in, that Black, Justice Blackman spoke about when he, when he wrote Roe, um, it, it's really not relevant anymore because women aren't bound to parenthood. With safe haven laws, they can they don't even have to go through the adoption process. You can just anonymously, um, you know, turn your child over to a, a you know to a secured facility that can care for the child immediately, 
and and just walk away. So um, I, I was happy to see that that got you know put into focus as well. Um, uh, there was a lot of talk about what's called stare decisis, relying on the court's uh, prior you know decisions, but Justice Kavanaugh, which I think everyone was a little nervous to see what he would do because I, he is actually considered the swing vote here. A lot of people think it's the Chief Justice. It's not. It's really Kavanaugh, and he just listed a whole you know, long um, group of cases. It was very impressive, Mary. I was so impressed. In fact, we have a a short uh, uh, soundbite from Justice Brett Kavanaugh. I'd like to share with you and get your reaction on the other side. wonderful. Okay, great. If we think that uh, the prior precedents are seriously wrong, if that, why then doesn't the history of this court's practice with respect to those cases tell us that the right answer is actually to return to the position of neutrality and uh, and um, not stick with those precedents in the same way that all those other cases didn't. Your reaction, Mary? Yeah, it's, well, you know, that was a very, very good point. And what he was saying was, like, listen, abortion is an extremely sensitive and contentious issue. The Constitution is silent. The word abortion is not mentioned in the Constitution. And when you have an issue on which the Constitution is silent, that is extremely divisive. And look, we see 50 years after Roe, right, John? I mean, this country is probably more divided on the issue than ever. That is a signal that that issue should be uh, decided by the people in the states or in Congress. This should be this should be talked out. This should be argued out. People should be able to, you know, bring experts on either side in to speak about it. But the, the court has to be scrupulously, that's the word he used, scrupulously neutral when talking about something like abortion. So very much signaling he is not taking a side on the issue, but he is saying this is not something the court should be weighing in on. This is something that our our government was set up in a way to let issues like this be decided by the people. Mary, uh, viability was uh, also uh, part of the discussion. It went back and forth. Uh, uh, why was the uh, abortion clinic lawyer arguing so adamantly in favor of a viability standard? Well, this was I mean, this is very interesting because, as you and I both know, and as I'm sure a lot of your listeners do, the, the abortion side doesn't believe that abortion should be limited to viability. So exactly. all of a sudden... They're big fans of viability. Who knew, you know, and they kept pushing for that. I think, um, just so your listeners are aware, oral arguments don't make a whole lot of difference in how a case is decided. The justices largely have made up their minds, and I think you saw that with the, with the kinds of questions that the attorneys were asked. They have made up their minds before they walk into that courtroom. Very rarely does something presented in oral arguments change a justice's mind. And uh, the oral arguments kind of tend to be... Um, a, a way for the justices to quietly tip their hands to let the sides know what they're going to do, generally speaking. Um, there's some, obviously, there's some exceptions to that. So, um, so it, it was kind of like a public theater, if you will. And what the other side, first of all, I think it was um, the, the Reichelman, the, the attorney for the abortion clinic, slipped and actually used the word baby instead of fetus, which is what they like to use. They have, they have for a while now not been using the word woman. They use birthing person. Um, because of all the, you know, the trans-identified and non-binary people they claim, you know, also have abortions, and so therefore we can't use the word woman. But yesterday, <laughs> on Wednesday, um, birthing people was gone just for the day, and, and and all of a sudden women became women again. Have so that was sort mad? of I mean, what's our world coming to that we it's can't crazy. use the word women? I mean, this oh, is oh no, you can't. Oh, insane. That, yes, yes, and so that was kind of interesting. So this was a bit of her. 
um, again, public theater, they want the public to think, listen, we are very reasonable people. We just want to restrict abortion until viability. Um, you know, we're not, we're not the kind of people that would support abortions after a baby can live separate from his or her mother. We're very reasonable. You know, but that's not what they believe, and that's not what they're arguing for, because Roe and Casey, the two abortion um, cases that the Supreme Court has uh, decided and upheld, uh, permit abortion up until the moment of birth. So this was sort of a verbal sleight of hand. They want everybody to think, oh, we, you know, we are just talking about up until viability. We don't mean afterwards. And so I thought that was kind of interesting. They had to sort of, you know, do some verbal jujitsu and, and to get themselves there. But uh, that was kind of amusing. And now the other point is they kept saying, well, viability is somewhere between 24 and 28 weeks of pregnancy. That's simply false. You and I both know, right? Ba- my my baby nephew Thomas was born at 22 weeks, say. right? So, and, and, you know, there was a wonderful news story last week of a baby who's 16 months old, just went home from the hospital, born at 21 weeks, one day. So a full week before Thomas was. And there's a whole, you know, group of, of babies who've been born at the end of the 21st week, 22nd week, 23rd week, 24th week, who uh, are very much alive and have, you know, praise God, no complications that are serious from being born prematurely. Um, you know, any, any NICU in, in, uh, in any major city is care- regularly caring for 23 and 24 weekers. So um, to, to try to stretch viability to 28 weeks, um, very dishonest and very much ignorant and ignoring the science. Mary, bottom line is uh, that if Roe v. Wade is overturned, it'll go back to the states. Correct. Uh, The justices are holding uh, private uh, conferences uh, today uh, to cast their initial vote on the case, but we got a long way to go. They could change their mind between now and next June when it's expected to be uh, actually uh, announced. any sense? Uh, do you feel good uh, that it could uh, go in in favor of the the six three majority, the pro life majority? I, I do. I think it will go six three. I don't think Chief Justice Roberts wants a sharply divided court. They do not want a five four decision on something so contentious. They want it to have a little more weight to it. And if Chief Justice Roberts does not side with the majority, then he forfeits his right to assign the justice who will write the case. So I think for a variety of different reasons and his questionings, uh, his questions seem to indicate he is leaning towards overturning. I think it's going to be a 6-3 decision, possibly 5-4, but I don't think that's going to happen um, just because of the inner workings of the court. I think we're looking at a 6-3 victory in June. We need to continue to pray, pray, pray for the outcome and pray specifically for the justices. Uh, Mary, as always, thank you so much uh, for your legal and your Catholic perspective. Well, my pleasure. Uh, always a joy to be with you, and have a wonderful weekend. Thank you. You too. Uh, Mary Helen Fiorito, you can find her on Twitter, at Mary Fiorito. We need to take a short break. When Morning Air continues, we'll be joined by pediatric psychologist Dr. Jim Schrader, who will discuss another life lesson in our series of Confessions of a Carless Commuter. We're going to talk about the times that we've been spared. So stay with us. There's much more to come as Morning Air rolls on. Today's program is sponsored by St. Gregory Recovery Center. More information about their Catholic-centered recovery from substance abuse is available at relevantradio.com slash stgregory.
minutes after the hour. Are you in the Advent spirit? Can you feel it? Welcome back to Morning Air. I'm John Morales. Thanks so much for tuning in. We've all had uh, experiences of being spared in different ways throughout our life. Uh, Different experiences have taught us many different life lessons, such as the ones our next guest, Dr. Jim Schrader, has shared with us time and time again. In this series, we've been discussing topics about the pursuit of health, harmony, happiness, and heaven through stories shared and lessons learned based on his recent book, Confessions of a Carless Commuter, What 40,000 Plus Motorless Miles Taught Me About Life. Now joining us is pediatric psychologist, Dr. Jim Schrader, to talk about life lesson number six, spared again. Have you ever had your life spared is the question this morning. Dr. Schrader is a married father of eight children, an endurance athlete. He's vice president in the Department of Psychology and Wellness at Easter Seals Rehabilitation Center in Evansville, Indiana. Good morning, Dr. Schrader. Thanks so much for joining us. Happy Advent. Good to be with you once again. Yeah, happy Advent to you too. This is an interesting uh, topic for for this week, uh, being spared. Uh, I imagine you've had some personal experiences that you can share with us, uh, doctor, about having been spared. Yeah, you know what? The The one that comes to mind and one of them that I talk about in the book was I remember being an eighth grader, excuse me, and I was on my way home from a friend's house just about a mile down the road, and I was biking home and turning left onto Cave Avenue, and unfortunately, I was not very vigilant. I, I would kind of sometimes just listen for the cars or kind of briefly glance to see if they were coming, and as I turned left towards Cave Avenue, I all of a sudden felt this whoosh go basically right by my face. And what I realized the whoosh was, was it was a van coming right down Harmony Way. And literally, I mean, it, it got so close to me that you know I could feel the air coming through my hair. And the van actually stopped ahead, almost wondering if it you know, had hit me on my bike and fortunately had not. But at that moment, there was an awareness that I had made a mistake. I hadn't obviously taken the time to look back and to see if there was a car there. I was kind of just being hasty about that. And I recognized very early on, like, wow, you know what? I was really spared there, whether it was, you know, serious injury or death or whatever. Um, And that's just one of of, uh, different experiences over my life. And I know that all of us listening today can think of different experiences that you've had where you think, gosh, it could have been so much worse. could have been the end um, in what happened there. Dr. Schrader, I remember as a young guy when I was in my 20s, driving on the expressway uh, one day and uh, getting off and somehow losing control of my car at the time. I think it was a little Toyota Corolla, my very first car. And I lost control of it. And the car literally went off the side of the road and up the, the side of the hill. And I remember thinking it was almost as if I felt uh, like a, the hand of an angel that preserved me from getting into a horrific crash. I, I just had this sense, this, this feeling like the good Lord was really looking out for me because it was a scary moment. I'll never forget it. Uh, thank goodness I never had anything like that since. Uh, I've never been in a, in a car accident uh, uh, since then. But it's one of those moments where you feel like, oh, my goodness, I was really spared. And um, this is what we're talking about here this morning. Yeah, I think it's so important for us to remember those moments. When you were describing that, it kind of gave me chills because it related to my own experiences. And 
in the sense that they're, of course, you know, we we believe in our faith, but guardian angels, but we also just believe there's so much more that we can't see um, that takes care of us in that way. And I think that it's so easy to forget those, though, as we move on to daily life or we hear about bad things in the news happening or we hear about, you know, friends or family or even ourselves experiencing health issues or whatever that there have been many, 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 many moments that if you're listening today, which means, of course, you're alive today, um, you're part of this, you know, network, that you have been spared. And I, I think that it's so important not to forget that, and it's so important not to come back to the sense that we need to embrace life first before we seek to protect it. Now, again, I, it's really important we'll talk about kind of why we're wired to protect life in general. But one of the mistakes that we make as human beings is that we're so focused on protecting, and not just life, for example, we're so focused on protecting our image, our status, our money, or whatever, that we forget that very in the first part, <laughs> we have to embrace what we've been given, right? And life, of course, is the is the beginning of that. But so many other things, too, have been given to us so that we you know, have been spared and we can have something to protect um, at all. Absolutely. And I think that as Catholics, uh, we, we understand um, the, the concept, the, the teaching of divine providence. Uh, nothing happens uh, in our life uh, without uh, God's direct will or without his uh, explicit permission. So the Lord is in charge. We don't understand how all these things fit together, but they do. Yeah, we don't. And, th- and I think one of the things that's hard for us is that we often ask the why question, you know, when bad things happen. And I think that's a natural question that human beings will ask. Um, but unfortunately, when you keep asking the why question over and over and over when something goes wrong in your life, research from a secular side says that's actually not a very healthy way to go about it. Um, they found that people who either have kind of an acceptance of a particular reason, um, again, whether it's related to God's providence or whatever, or they just kind of accept that, you know, the natural law just takes us to places that we don't always desire. Those two groups do so much better than the, than those of us who keep asking why, why, why. And I think, again, although the why question is a natural question, it just kind of overshadows the reality, again, that if you've made it to this point, you know, you have been spared and you're given so many things. It's kind of like you think about our insurance policies, right? You know, we worry about it. We all have, you know, work to have insurance policies to be able to, you know, if something bad happens to our house or, you know, something happens medically, it's great. You know, we have these policies to cover us. But sometimes we're so focused on the insurance that we forget that the gifts that we have in the first place are remarkable, right? And across the world, many people don't have insurance policies because they don't have those gifts to even think about in the first place. And so it's just that we get lost in the in that survival and that protective instinct, and we miss the sense that, you know what, am I really grateful for all the times I've been taken care of and all the gifts I've been given? Dr. Schrader, from a psychological perspective, um, as human beings, uh, can you talk about how we're wired uh, to notice and emphasize when things uh, go wrong? Yeah. So it's, you know, what I want to say first is it's a good thing that we're wired with what we kind of call the survival instinct, which means that we as human beings are aware of risks and threats around us. And, you know, if we weren't aware of them at all, of course, we probably wouldn't live very long or we would struggle through life even more than we do. And so I want to be clear up front that psychologically being wired that way is not necessarily a bad thing because it really keeps us potentially safe. The problem is, and I think, again, this is the problem sometimes today with, you know, what we see in the media and just kind of our conversations is that 
just because we're wired that way doesn't mean that that can't be magnified to an unhealthy level. And so I think what's happened for us today is that when it's been magnified and we're constantly vigilant and we only seem to recognize the things that go wrong in ourselves and others, you know, we're not able to really have a clear vision. We talked about this, you know, chapters ago about that idea of field of vision. Do we really have a clear vision about what our life looks like? Very often I'll help, I, you know, have clients or even friends or myself even say, oh gosh, everything's been going wrong this week. Well, the reality is actually a lot of things have been going right just for you to land yourself at work and, you know, be back home at night. Um, but what we only see are the things maybe that are going wrong, and that's where it gets us in trouble. Dr. Schrader, besides uh, your eighth grade experience, any other experience that comes to mind uh, as an adult uh, where you were spared? Yeah, and I think we're maybe running out of time before our break. I have to tell a little bit of story about <laughs> I was uh, headed out on a bike ride, another bike ride, and almost uh, ran into an elderly lady um, that kind of left us, with, both left us in negative straits there. But, um, yeah, there's so many different, I think little experiences or big experiences I definitely have felt spared over the years. Well, I want to invite our, our listeners. We need to take a, a short break, but uh, if you have a question or comment uh, for Dr. Jim Schrader uh, about times when you were spared, if you reflect back at, at a situation where you feel like the good Lord spared your life and you want to share that story with us, we'd love to hear from you. 888-914-9149. That's 888-914-9149. As uh, we continue our conversation with Dr. Jim Schrader, pediatric psychologist. Stay with us. There's much more to come on the other side. Catholic Order of Foresters is proud to sponsor the Relevant Radio Studio Line. For information about employment opportunities and flexible premium life insurance plans, visit relevantradio.com slash forester. Six minutes after the hour, wake up, you sleepyheads. You gotta love it. The Advent spirit is definitely in the air. Welcome back to Morning Air. I'm John Morales. Thanks so much uh, for joining us as we continue our conversation with our good friend, Dr. Jim Schrader, pediatric psychologist, the vice president uh, in the Department of Psychology and Wellness at the Easter Seals Rehabilitation Center in Evansville, Indiana. Dr. Schrader, welcome back. Yeah, thank you. I also want to remind our listeners, if, if you feel that the good Lord uh, has spared your life at some point, uh, give us a call. I would love to hear your story. Uh, our number, 888-914-9149. That's 888 uh, Dr. Schrader, you were mentioning uh, the other experience um, as an adult uh, that uh, you uh, went through uh, where you felt like the Lord spared you. Yeah, I mean, again, one of, of multiple ones, but one of where I was headed out on a bike ride. This was uh, shortly before I actually finished up the book, and this became part of the chapter. But 
I was headed out northerly on a, a road, kind of a county road, and there's an um, elderly lady that walks the road from time to time. I've seen she kind of walks the middle of the road unexpectedly. And um, as I was approaching her, her back was to me, and I was on the right side. And all of a sudden, she turned right um, without seeing me. And just as I was getting ready to say hello, turned right into my path right there. And at that moment, I, I mean, I really don't know how I stayed up at all because I had to swing hard right into kind of a gravel driveway as she, almost frightened, just jumped up and saw me right there. And um, fortunately, I stayed up on my bike, and she, and unfortunately, I didn't hit her, and I came past. And at that moment, I think we both kind of looked at each other, and I just you know, slowed down, and I thought, wow. Like, again, it was just one of those experiences um, that you just think, I- I'm just amazed that it didn't happen worse than it did. Wow. And, you know, and I, I just think that there's so many things in our lives, and sometimes we don't even realize it. That's one other thing I want to point out is there are those moments that all of us listening remember being spared, and then I would argue that there are moments that you didn't even know you were spared. For example, you were driving down the road, and you didn't realize that there was a car getting ready to kind of like come towards you that, you know, corrected quickly, and you didn't see it. Or you didn't even realize you were spared in a conversation that could have gone really, really wrong, um, but didn't. And so I think, you know, beneath the veil, there are probably so many more moments that we were spared than we realize. Um, But I just think it's so important for us to take the time to say, boy, thank you, God, like, that could have really worked out a lot worse. Or even if it didn't go great um, and you were injured or something happened, you can. I think there's still a thankfulness to say, but thank you for sparing me from what could have been. Um, we owe it to our God and we owe it to ourselves. And actually what we know is that gratitude has such great, great benefits psychologically. Um, we owe it to all to certainly be aware of that. Absolutely. Leo is joining us uh, from Sparks, Nevada. Leo, good morning. Uh, welcome to Morning Air. Thanks for calling. Good morning, gentlemen. How are we doing? Doing great. Good. Uh, awesome. Hey, this is right up my alley. Uh, uh, I used to drink pretty heavily, and uh, I'm no longer drinking. I'm very happy to say that. But uh, back in the past, I had a few DUIs, and um, I'm um, just uh, very happy I got through all that. But since then, um, being sober, I am the uh, Grand Knight of my Council of the Knights of Columbus. And uh, since then, this past year, I was honored by um, being Grand Knight of the Year of the State of Nevada. And this is all due to my sobriety and not killing anybody or not killing myself with those DUIs. So I thank our Lord, thank my God, and thank my um, guardian angel um, all for that. So just uh, wanted to share that and um, just, uh, you know, learn my life, faith in action, as you know, John, and into the breach and uh, doing all that stuff that we knights are known for. Brother Leo, thank you so much for sharing. Great story. Uh, Dr. Schrader, your thoughts? Yeah, and I really appreciate that, Leo, because I, you know, I think about, like you mentioned, the DUIs and, and just all those years of driving inebriated. And, you know, you think, gosh, we hear about the, the horrible stories when someone does die, and they are so, so tragic and awful. And we, we, we seek to kind of, you know, reduce and end that. But what we forget about is it's amazing that worse things don't happen sometimes, too. And that, you know, all with, at all those times where people were doing things that they shouldn't have been doing, 
that somehow we were spared in the process. And I think that that's, I really appreciate Leo bringing that up. I appreciate his honesty and openness um, because it's important that we, you know, like I said, even back in eighth grade, and we, we make a lot of mistakes in our lives. And if we were held accountable for every single mistake that we made in regards to what could happen, just imagine how much more life would be so difficult and tragic. And so it's just, it's just, we deserve it to be thankful again. So I appreciate Leo's call there. Thanks so much, Leo. We have time for Lupe calling us from Brownsville, Texas. Uh, good morning, Lupe. Good morning, Lourdes. Lourdes. Uh, like good a morning. little Lourdes. Uh, yes, good morning. Yes, I'm so conscientious about being spared because since I was a little, I noticed that God has taken care of me of things that I cannot do, and he's just there. But the last time that I can remember is I'm so afraid of the blind spot when I'm driving. And I was driving um, not too long ago. And I just turned to the, uh, um, as I was turning, I did not see the car on my uh, on my right side. And it was just, I could see the car just almost breaking on, you know, crashing. But it was my fault. And I know that I was spared. And I said, I thank my, my guardian angel. Thank you, Lourdes. Thank you. Absolutely, uh, Dr. Yeah, you know, again, when you have that awareness, I have to tell the story that a friend of mine told me, it was about a year ago, and he was out back, and he was um, using a chainsaw on logs or whatever, and um, he was sawing through logs, and it kicked back on him, and it landed on his quad, and all of a sudden, he realized, oh my gosh, it has cut into my quad, into my leg, and he looks down, and he realizes there's this huge gash in his leg, and... um, so he quickly goes to the emergency room and only to realize that amazingly, you know, he had spared all the muscles on the tendon and had just cut through a huge gash in the in the flesh and the skin. And he said to me, you know, when he was describing this and he was emotional and talking about it, he said, as I was driving back and getting all the stitches, he said, I just had this like, you know, he felt himself just getting teary eyed and he had this sense like you were taken care of, like you don't understand why you were taken care of and you don't understand why sometimes others suffered more serious injury. And that's not for you to really know. But what it is for you to know is that you were taken care of by me. And, you know, it was such a beautiful story. He and I, you know, have talked about over the years since then. Um, But when you know it, you really know that you were spared. And we owe it not only to be grateful, but we owe it to pay it forward to others in whatever way we should. Dr. Schrader, we have time to squeeze in one more call. Uh, Chris is joining us from Forest Lake, Minnesota. Good morning, Chris. Let's make it quick. Good morning. I will try to make it as quick as I can. It's, it's another driving um, story. And I was I was back when I was around 20. I'm 53 now. Um, but I was I had a sports fancy sports car at the time, and I was driving way too fast, over 100 miles an hour. But I was kind of on a country road in northern Minnesota, just trees everywhere, no cars around. So I, I felt safe. So I'm, I was driving, and then two kids come out of a trail in the woods, and they started crossing the road. I'm sure they had no idea how fast I was traveling. And when they realized, I slammed on my brakes, and they heard that, and they froze, and they froze right in the middle of the road. And I was on my brakes as hard as I could, and I don't know, somehow by the grace of God, because they were too close together for my car to fit through them. I did not go around them. I don't know how it happened, but I remember 
And as I passed them, I looked down. I was still going, traveling 55 miles an hour. I had bald, flat spots on my tires from trying to stop so much. And I looked in my rear view mirror, and they were both there, standing there, stunned, looking at me. And I don't know. Somehow, my guardian angel, I try to rationalize it in my brain, like, Maybe I fishtailed through them if they were staggered. I I really don't know what happened at that point. But um but I was it, it changed my life in the way that I just I started driving the speed limit everywhere. Um and I actually ended up becoming a Catholic school teacher because I felt like I was spared for a reason. I had. We're going to have to leave it there, do. Chris. Uh, we have about 30 seconds, uh, Doctor. Your, your quick reaction. That's an incredible story. And I think he said something that I think everybody should think about. If you've been spared in your life, <clears throat> excuse me, then it asks you the question if you've been spared, why is it have you and others been spared, and what is it calling you to do? And I think that's exactly, it's a beautiful story about it called him to a life that he wouldn't have imagined, but um, we all are asked that question. Dr. Schrader, as always, uh, thank you so much for, for being with us. Uh, we have so much to be grateful for, and especially when we meditate on these times that we've been spared. We have a lot of thank yous uh, to the good Lord. Th- thanks again uh, for being with us. Yeah, thanks so much. Dr. Jim Schrader, a pediatric psychologist and the vice president in the Department of Psychology and Wellness at Easter Seals Rehabilitation. Now it's time for another episode of Glenn Story Corner. Our story today is called The Blanket. It's from Charlene Spear. In 1965, Charles Schultz, a devout Christian and the creator of the Peanuts comic strip, was asked to create a Christmas special for CBS featuring the Peanuts characters. He agreed with one requirement, that they allow him to include the story of the birth of Jesus. Although the station's executives were hesitant and tried to convince him otherwise, Schultz was insistent. As a result, for the past 50-plus years, millions of people have watched A Charlie Brown Christmas and heard the story of Jesus and what Christmas is all about. It wasn't until a few years back I realized a hidden message was in the film, Linus, the child who seems to have some insecurities as he always carries around that security blanket. But in fact, Linus never drops his blanket, except once. While sharing the message of what Christmas is all about, Linus drops his blanket at the exact moment he says the words, Fear not. In this seemingly innocent moment, Linus delivers a powerful reminder of the true meaning of Christmas. We are to fear not, for Jesus is born. We needn't rely on material things for security. We have God with us, Emmanuel, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, the true meaning of Christmas. But a while back, someone informed me, and indignantly so, that Linus picks up his blanket at the end of the speech, so my interpretation must be wrong. Well, he was right. Linus does pick up his blanket at the end of his speech. However, he drops it again later. Amid big, bright, colorful, shiny, artificial trees, Charlie Brown chooses the least of these, a little natural wooden tree with just a few branches. Shortly thereafter, Linus uses his blanket to wrap about the base of the tree and says, maybe it just needs a little love. In that moment, the tree awakens, stands tall and firm, a reminder that no matter who we are, how many mistakes we've made, a little love can make all the difference. Let's strive to fear not and love one another, not just at Christmas time, but the whole year through. 
John 13, 34, I give you a new commandment. Love one another as I have loved you, so you also should love one another. Thanks so much, Glenn. Can't wait to watch the Charlie Brown Christmas special. This is what Christmas is all about. Don't forget to keep praying for the Dobbs case. You can pray the Rosary of Father Rocky tonight on the Family Rosary Across America at 7 p.m. here on Relevant Radio. That'll do it for this edition of Morning Air for the entire team. I'm John Morales. Thanks so much for joining us.